Hey, everybody. Welcome into the podcast. We've got another special bonus episode. Bonus episode. We're continuing our My Favorite Movie series, where we go and interview a CEO, a director at a local distillery. We talk to them about their product, but then we sit down with a glass of bourbon or any sort of whiskey, and we talk to them about their favorite film and what makes it so special to them. And today, we've actually got Bradley G., as our primary interviewer in the house. That's right. <laughs> Brad, tell us about uh, this interview. Where did you go? Who did you interview? Yeah. So, so far with our My Favorite Whiskey, we've been... My Favorite Movie, Sorry. sir. <laughs> my Favorite Movie. My Favorite Movie, we've been to Freedom Whiskey, right? Yep. We've been to Cleveland Whiskey. Yep. We've been to... Minglewood Distilling in Worcester, in Ohio. Worcester, Ohio. Yep. We have not made it to the capital... Of Ohio. That's right. And today we are going to Columbus to Watershed Distillery. Watershed is the biggest distillery in the state of Ohio. Um, And so we're really excited to sit down and talk with them. Brad, who did you sit down with at Watershed? So I went down to Watershed and I interviewed Joshua Gandy, who is the beverage director. Uh, He's in charge of their bar. He's in charge of their drink menus. Oh, cool. Um, He works with them on a lot of the distilling processes. He is an amazing guy. He was so much fun to sit down with. I'm really excited for you guys to hear the interview about uh, what Watershed Distillery is doing in the Columbus area and his favorite movie. Well, let's get to it. Guys, check out this interview. We hope you enjoy it with Josh Gandy from Watershed Distilling. So, Josh, how are you doing today? Doing really well. Thanks for having me. Good, man. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. We've been really excited um, to do these interviews with people uh, just to help our listeners know more about whiskey in general. But we're also excited about getting local distilleries um, on the air to talk about their product and uh, talk about what they're doing for the local areas. Um, so it's great to have you. Tell me about Watershed Distillery. How long have you been here and a little bit about the history of the distillery? So the distillery has been here in this small industrial park in Grandview since 2010. Uh, it was started by uh, Dave and Greg, two guys who were both working in sales for a while and they had that entrepreneurial spirit and kind of decided they wanted to do something, you know, off the off the beaten path. Um, they first started thinking about it. They wanted to do, you know, they had the idea to do a brewery. And uh, this is around like 2008. There were around seven breweries in town, and they viewed that as a saturated market and decided to take it one step further. But what is uh, brewing one step further, if not distillation? Right. Yeah. Uh, but now there's like 48 breweries in town, so it's kind of good that they had the foresight to to uh, shift and do that. Um, but I've been here since October of 2016 on the distillery side of things, and then I joined the restaurant team, uh, Watershed Kitchen Bar, as soon as that opened in January 2017. Cool. And I know that we're a podcast called Film and Whiskey, but from what I understand, Watershed started off with gin as and vodka as their primary products? Yes. Okay. So talk to me about that. So we started with vodka and gin because you're able to distill that, proof it down with water, bottle it, and sell it. Yeah. Bourbon was always something that we wanted to do. It just takes a lot more patience than the other two. Um, so we were able to hit the shelves with vodka and gin that first year, October in 2010, uh, and then started putting some bourbon away uh, pretty soon after that. And I would say about two Two and a half years later, our first bourbon came out. Okay, awesome. Yeah, and I heard that you guys do a gin in a bourbon barrel. Is that something that – how does that change the flavor and is that something that would appeal to a whiskey or a bourbon drinker? Yeah, it makes something very complex. And for me personally, I think it's my favorite spirit that we produce because of its versatility. It's specifically behind the bar and it's fun to talk about. So when we started, we had the the four-peel gin, which – 
we kind of like to consider ourselves the gin for people who don't drink gin yeah. uh, because most of the time when people come in and talk to us, they say, I don't like gin. And what we discover is that they don't like the really high juniper gin. They don't like the London dry, the super pine tree. Right. Uh, and whenever they had it, they had a bad experience with it. So we implore people to try our gin, which is very crisp and citrus and like floral. Uh, it's called four peel because it's led with the four peels of lemon, lime, orange, and grapefruit. So since we had bourbon, it means we had bourbon barrels after the fact because right. after you dump a bourbon barrel, it can't then be used for bourbon again. So you get a little bit more experimental that way. So uh, we had the idea to put the four peel gin in a bourbon barrel to see if anything would happen. Yeah. And something did. But when we first tried it, it was about six months in and it wasn't bad. It was just not much had changed in the barrel that much for us. And we sort of forgot about it. And then during a Christmas party, someone remembered, hey, don't we have gin in a barrel somewhere? <laughs> and, you know, during a Christmas party, that's where you want to go find the, the fun stuff to drink. And yeah. we tasted it then and it was awesome. Yeah. And that was about the one year mark. And we left some sitting longer to see if anything else would happen. And we kind of deemed that one year mark is ideal for that yeah so at every christmas party you have a, a barrel of bourbon gin ready for you <laughs> i don't know if we went that far <laughs> that man that's awesome i love that yeah so with the bourbon um you guys have been bottling bourbon since 2012 it was about two years old so i was looking at your mash bill and it looks like you have the normal four corn wheat rye and barley but you also add spelt mm -hmm. so talk to me about that mash bill yeah. So uh, we like having the, the barley, the corn and the wheat that adds like a little bit of that sweetness complexity to it. And we also have the rye to add like a touch of that spice. But the spelt is interesting because spelt is an ancient grain and Ohio is like the number one producer of spelt. So really? it's a bit of an homage to like the Ohio farming culture and kind of like helps lend that hand that we source as locally as we can and like give back to the Ohio farming community and our community as much as much as possible. That, that's really awesome. Uh, does it give it any different sort of flavor? What, what does it smell? If, if it does anything, it mimics the barley in the mash bill. Okay. So like when you're cooking that down, you get sort of that like nice like sugar cookie sort of flavor and the spell just kind of joins right in on that. Okay, awesome. I was also looking, I, I saw that you guys have old fashioned in a bottle. What, what, is, what is that all about? Uh, that's just for ease of convenience for people. It's a great introduction for people who are interested in trying bourbon but don't want to just go straight uh, like over the rocks or something like that. So it's all of the ingredients together. It's two types of bitters, aromatics, so you get some cinnamon and clove, orange bitters, so you get that lightness, a little bit of sugar and bourbon. And what makes it a little bit different is we add a touch of cherry juice. Okay. So you don't even need to add a garnish if you don't want that, to. That sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's perfect. During the holidays, we always tell people like, you can go in the kitchen and just jangle a bunch of glass together and come out with a tray of old fashions. And <laughs> pretend that you were doing some mixology in the kitchen. Mm, yes, we're very fancy here at the Gandhi household. <laughs> it totally replaced beer and wine at all of my family events. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to try that because I'm a big fan of the old fashioned, but it is a heck of a drink to sit down and make on your own. Oh, yeah. Um, but let's get into your favorite movie. Uh, so what's your favorite movie? And, and let's talk about it a little bit. It's kind of difficult to think about what my favorite movie was, but when I like really sat down and like thought about the amount of times that I've watched this movie and how much I annoy my friends by quoting it, I think it's Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, man. When you emailed me and said that it was Goodwill Hunting, like my heart just jumped. I was so excited because it's it's such a great movie on so many different levels. Um, but tell me why it's your favorite. Tell me some of the quotes that you annoy your friends with. Uh, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> that's that's probably the, the most annoying. And you get the... It's not your fault, Josh. <laughs> not you, Sean. <laughs> uh, that and the how do you like them apples. Uh, I actually... 
on the apple brandy bottle, uh, wrote the copy on the back of that, and I landed a how do you like them apples on there. So it's it's made its way into the distillery as well. So yeah. there's we always hold a little bit of the the goodwill hunting here. Yeah, that's actually that's probably one of my favorite scenes from the movie. As somebody who has gone into higher education, you get a lot of people who are that guy from the bar who's oh, yeah. just quoting their textbook back at you, making you try to trying to make you feel like an idiot. Yeah. And it ends with Matt Damon just being like, look, you like you're an idiot. Yeah, that's such a that's such a great scene. And it shows how strong his character is, because in the, the beginning of the film, you get to see him beat people up on a basketball court. So, you know, he's tough and you right. know that, like, if that guy wanted to take it outside that he would, but he didn't have to because he just got to, like, lay into him with his book smarts. Yeah. And I think that's something that's curious about Matt Damon's character is that. He's very certain about who he is. Like, you don't interact with somebody on that level if you're not sure of who you are. And yet, the entire impetus of the movie is that he's trying to find who he wants to be. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, let's talk about Robin Williams a little bit. He is brilliant in this movie and he does a lot of different dramas but this is probably one of his most famous dramas yeah this is the most you probably ever feel for him as a as a person and in fact even the bench that they sit down and have that iconic scene on has become like the memorial for robin after his passing really i didn't know that that's That's where people would drop off flowers and anytime they're in the boston park they'll go check out that bench and kind of pay their homage to him yeah that Man, that's really awesome. Talk, talk about the loss of one of the greatest actors of the last 50-odd years, from Mork and Mindy to the very end. To, he, he just really was the best. Um, so, yeah, talk to me about your favorite scene from the movie and what makes you love it so much. I think it's twofold. I think learning about Sean's character, Robin Williams, um, when he first meets Will – and Will tries to, he's just ran through the gamut of breaking down these psychologists and he finally thinks that he breaks Sean by talking about his wife and then he gets a chokehold to the throat and then that's when you think it's broke and it's over and then Sean says make sure the kid's here on Thursday at one o'clock or whatever and I think that's really huge but we were talking about a little bit earlier about like Will trying to find himself that scene on the bench in the park I think is what brings both of those wills together? It's where you discover that like, yeah, I'm that kid from Southie with these problems and I'm willing to fight my way through everything, but there's more to me. And then Sean sort of breaks that down for him and lets him know like, yeah, it's okay to go figure these things out, but you have to go figure them out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. It's something that uh, I think is very um, needed in our society today where we're not sure who we are. Um, and to have a movie like this, uh, where it really challenges ideas of identity and how you can bring together the, uh, different aspects of your, your personality and, you know, your online persona versus your in-person persona. Like I, I think Robin Williams character could be really, uh, poignant for a lot of people nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. You can really get lost in a lot of that static and, you know, to be able to have the, the wherewithal of bringing that voice up in yourself to, to try to figure out who you are and what you're doing and what the next step is. Well, is there anything else from the movie that you want to talk about or something that stands out to you? Um, I guess I want to talk about the things that I would change about the film now because I just uh-oh. I recently rewatched it and I didn't realize like how much of the 90s grip has yeah. on that. Yeah. <laughs> is it's Danny Elfman does the music and there are like it has that like iconic 90s like ethereal look where everything so looks like a shot through like a rose colored glass yeah. and like the music gets a little lofty at times yeah. but what's great about that is that it's matched with uh music from Elliot Smith 
which is awesome. If you've never introduced yourself to Elliot Smith, like that's a really great intro because talking about pure raw emotion, like the music from Elliot Smith really shines through and, and really speaks to really important parts of that film. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, you know, it's been a little while since I had seen it and I hadn't even thought about the music in the movie. Um, but yeah, the nineties definitely were, yeah. you know, it was, it was a perfect time. Nothing yeah, was wrong. Absolutely. You had the dot com, you know, billionaires. And, and, it makes it a really great time capsule. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good place to end things. I, I think that the, uh, the movie Goodwill Hunting is something that draws us in. It's something that draws you to think about who you are and what you're doing. Um, and Watershed Distillery is the kind of place where you can go have a good bourbon or a good gin to think about who you are and what you're doing. Um, so, Josh, thank you. Are there any plugs you want to get in for Watershed or any anything that's coming up new? Yeah, we've got some uh, really cool stuff happening. Uh, we're always doing new stuff at the, the Kitchen and Bar. That's sort of the clubhouse. It's where you can come and enjoy the spirits the way that we recommend enjoying them. Um, we're doing a big push on gin this year, so make sure you get your fill. If you're one of those people that say you don't like gin, try us out. I think I think you'll dig it. We always recommend the the four peel Collins. It's just gin, lemon juice, sugar, and soda water. So something super simple and a really great way to introduce yourself to the spirit. Cool, awesome. Well, yeah, come on down to Watershed Distillery in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it's really accessible if you're going to Ohio State um, or you're in the downtown area. So yeah, Josh, thank you so much for uh, doing this with me. It's great to talk to you and meet you. Of course, thanks for having me. This was awesome. <laughs>